everybody! Welcome! We have been off for a while, but we are back as Lesbros do a podcast. I am Sean, the host of this wonderful podcast. <laughs> and as always, I am joined by this individual over here. I like how most people would be like, my lovely co-host, and Sean's just like, this person. I don't use that before. I wanted less colorful language. Just be like, the blob of human over there. (laughs) I am just a blob sometimes. Uh, Anywho. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Sean. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. It has. Y'all are getting blessed with our lovely voices on your... Whatever you listen to podcast. Yeah. Last time we talked about you in jail. Uh, oh, yeah. That's when I went to jail. Yeah. yeah. I and forgot you're, you're, about that. Jail we went for, to jail at three years old. Yeah, for your sexuality, and you uh, met a bunch of male vampires in your jail. Lame. I mean, vampires are cool, but... I'm pretty sure we said it was gay vampires, but it might have been gay vampires. I'm pretty sure it was male gay vampires, because I wasn't allowed to enjoy it because I was in jail. That's fair. You know, they had to punish you. They were gay, but they were male. So I'm like, I got really excited. I was like, gay vampires, and you're like, but they're male. And I was like, damn it. I'm always here to ruin, ruin everything. That sounds well, about right. Yeah, so we're back here uh, doing some podcasts, talking, uh, letting our voices talk about the <laughs> is that what stuff that is does? in our head. I'm, I'm finding the most vague way to describe <laughs> a podcast, the most boring way. We use our voices to describe things. Uh, but what we like to do is we like to talk about... Media and specifically media that our eyeballs have been consuming this week. Or I'm going to find the most case. boring way to describe everything else, but what we're watching. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but in this case, it's been a month. More what we've watched since the last podcast that we really want to talk about, because I'm sure we've consumed plenty of media in between whatever our lives are. I've consumed a singular leaf that had one sentence written on it. In a month. That's all I've consumed. I'm sure you've read more because you are, you read too much. But anyway. That's true. Anyway, Chris, what kind of media or what media have your eyeballs just been? Nom, 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 nom. Oh, I hate that. Uh, so I recently started reading Magnus Chase and I'm still in the first book. Um, Magnus Chase. What is yes. that? Okay. So you know who Rick Rorian is, right? Name sounds familiar. Yes. Do you know the Percy Jackson series? I do. Okay, he's the I know, author. I know of the series, and I know of the really bad movie. <laughs> movie sucks. He's the author of the Percy Jackson series. He writes a lot of mythology books. He's got the Percy Jackson series, which is obviously Greek mythology. Then he went and did the Kane Chronicles, which is Egyptian mythology. And then he did the Heroes of Olympus, which is Greek and Roman. And then there's the Magnus Chase series, which is Norse mythology. So he really likes mythology. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, and it's all like teenagers just going about and doing shit for the gods. And Why aren't you... Going about and doing shit for the gods. Because apparently neither of my parents are gods. <laughs> this was what a mistake. What a shame. This was a mistake. I know. Look, in the Percy Jackson series, they're like, whatever lie your parents told you about why you don't know one of your parents, it's not true. It's because one of them was a god. It's because Zeus got this. busy. <laughs> yeah, I read this when I was like nine years old, and I don't know my bio dad, so it was like, hmm, maybe he's actually a god. He's not. He's just a terrible person. would be much better if he was a god. I mean... He kind of could be Zeus. He, ugh. Yikes. Um, I don't know that I don't want to be a child of Zeus. No offense, big guy. I mean, I remember when the movie came out, when the first, when Percy Jackson the movie came out, and I knew a lot of people were excited about it because they'd read the series and things like that, and I had no connection to it. But my friend and I were super, actually super excited for it because Sean Bean was playing Zeus, and we're like, oh my gosh, 
Sean Bean is going to finally get this big role in it, and Zeus is in that movie for like three seconds, and we're like, what's all these other worthless characters give us the Sean Bean? Give us the Sean Well, to be fair, he's not really in the book until the last chapter. I know, but... And he just stands there and threatens Percy's life and is like, be gone. Yeah, that movie's <laughs> not good. No, the movie sucks. The series is a lot of fun to read, especially even as you get older. Like, it's a young adult series meant more for, like, middle school age kids. But even as you get older, it's still a lot of fun to read. Um, But I've been reading the Magnus Chase series, and I'm only through the first book so far. And one of the reasons I started reading it, other than I really love Gregorian, and there's gay characters in it, which is cool that I knew that, but I was... I he has a lot of yeah. inclusion in his books. Yes, he's very a good with ton. representation. Like, there's a gender-fluid character in Magnus Chase, and I haven't reached them yet, but I'm excited to, because I'm like, that'll be cool to see. You like to see. see yourself in media. Yeah. Or read yourself in media. <laughs> Whatever. I've not my, seen a gender-fluid. Mind picture? I've not seen a gender-fluid character in any media that I've consumed before. I've seen, well, I've seen non-binary characters before. Like, not a lot, but a couple. There's so just not a lot. There. Yeah. I think I've seen, like, two. Yeah, there's a few here and there, but they're either very, very minor. Uh, maybe instead of actually outright saying it, they're coded the certain direction, whereas, like, and then you ask afterwards, the creator's like, oh, yeah, that character is this, this, and this, and it's like, really? There's a show that I watched, and I love this show, don't get me wrong, but there's a, a non-binary character, and throughout the entire first season, like, the actress who plays them is non-binary. So, like, throughout the first season... You kind of don't really know if, like, they want the character to be non-binary or not. And they spend the entire first season, like, at least when I first watched it, I was, like, 11. So I didn't even register that the character was supposed to be non-binary. And, like, they spend the entire first season being dead-named by their best friend. Because mm-hmm. their best friend refused to call them their their chosen name. And, like, just, that's kind of shitty. The, uh, Later it gets better, but, like, it's just shitty. And there are a lot of reasons why that can happen in a, in a show. The creator isn't yeah. isn't comfortable with it, or maybe, it, you know, uh, a lot of times there's studio interference, a lot of times... Well, it's a YouTube web series. Well, yeah, so. but even on, on things like that. But in something like that, it'd probably be creator unsure of how they want to handle it. Uh, it yeah, uh, that's what I said. It just kind of felt like, at least in the first season, later seasons it was better, but at least in the first season, mm-hmm. it just felt like they weren't sure if they wanted to make them And, and they, they maybe have two or three storylines planned out, and they're not sure if they want to go commit in the first season to a certain direction. That happens yeah. a lot with uh, shows, and, and uh, well, not on that sort of thing, this, the, the well I'm going to use is more for lore building, but it can be applied to it, is Pendleton Moore, who created Adventure Time. All we uh, talked about how season his first season of it is why it's so vague is because the vaguer you cr- as you create a universe, the vaguer you stay early on, the less retcons you'll have later on. Because every show is going to have a retcon or two. Yeah. Uh, as you're building, because your, your ideas are going to come. You maybe lose an actor. You have to change something quickly. Something doesn't work like you thought it was going to. Uh, you, you retcons always happen. But if you stay vague early on and don't over-explain things you don't have to retcon as much later on. And that can also be in what characters, like, you know, that applies to, like, relationships for characters. I, I I don't think it should necessarily apply to sexuality of characters, but it does a lot of times for creators. Yeah. Maybe they're wanting to use the reveal as a later on, trying to be a big surprise. They did not. I, I know, honestly, I, I think it was just they weren't sure if they wanted to make Lafayette, the name of the character, non-binary. Because later on, they don't, they never, actually, I don't even know if they even say the words non-binary in the series. Outside of, like, the show, they'll say it, and the actor will say it all the time. And they'll be like, yeah, I'm non-binary, so is my character, Lafayette. 
And then, yeah, or LaFontaine. I don't remember. It's been a while since I watched the show. Um, LaFontaine is also known by. But, yeah. I don't know. It's a good show, but, like, just that always seemed kind of odd to me. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. It's kind of how it works. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the creator of the Percy Jackson, I've seen some of his tweets and yes. things like that. He, he go, he's going off on JK. Oh, God, yeah. But more of, like, it's more of a subtweeting way. Like, he yes. doesn't ever actually, like, mention JK, but no. you know that they're directed at JK. And he really tries for it. And, like, I follow him on Twitter, and, like, I watch his interactions with his fans. And he's always really kind and just considerate. Like, there are people who, like, they'll come to him and they'll be like, what do you think about Artemis being, like, a lesbian? And he's like, yeah, I've read some stories like that. And then someone mentioned and they were like, hey, I think he said that's how he tried to put it in some of the books without, like, quite saying it. And then someone was like, I've always read Artemis as asexual. And he was like, you know, from my experience, that's not the way I ever read it, but I come from a different viewpoint than you, and I can see where you're coming from, and I didn't write it like that just because that's not how I perceived it mm-hmm. in the myths that I read. But that doesn't mean that it's not true. And, like, he's just, he's super, even when he doesn't necessarily see things from the fans' point of view, he's super kind and considerate, and that's what you need, like, yes, JK really a turf, so that sucks. But she's also not kind and considerate to, like, a lot of her friends. Like, she is sometimes, but then, like, you know, in middle school, I believe I read a story where someone was trying to talk to her about Draco, and she basically called them, like, a bad boy apologist. And I'm like, one, what the fuck are you, a Snape, then? <laughs> like, come yeah. on now. <laughs> I think uh, creators, the creators that are willing to understand fan fiction exists, and it doesn't destroy your universe yes. if people are enjoying it. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I did. that's not how I envisioned it, that's, you know, right. how, how, I, not how I made it. But you know what? You are fully welcome to uh, uh, enjoy and love whatever you want to love out of it and create out of it. So I think um, creators just to be a little more open with letting fans yes. have their own interpretations of things. Uh, there are some things that you know you don't want to be interpreted different ways. Uh, like like for example, um, uh, the movie Five Hundred Days of Summer. Uh, a lot of people make uh, Zoe Deschanel's character or say she's the quote unquote bad person in the relationship. I've heard about and that. multiple times, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt has said, He's like, no, the character I played is the, the problem in this movie. Yes. It's not her. Like, the, the problem is that he's trying to fit something in that doesn't work together, and she keeps telling him. Uh, I, you know, I like you, I like you, but I don't feel that same way that you feel, you know, this, this battle on it. Uh, and so people like to villainize her in it. Uh, and again, anyone watching the movie can go through and feel something for someone else there, and, and there are different points on it. But, like, people to the point of being like, oh my gosh, you know, he was completely in the right. It's like, no! And so it's like... Uh, yeah, I've seen there was, like, that tweet trend a while ago that it was, like, the movie villain, the actual villain. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen 500 Days of Summer. But he, I did see Joseph, uh, I can't remember his name. I did see him, like, uh, retweet one that it was, like, the movie villain, Zoe Deschanel, the actual villain, him. And he was like, that is so true. But, yeah, there's a book called How to Read Literature Like a Professor. And in it, it says that, you know, metaphors and similes, they are all what you bring. Books and media are what you bring mm-hmm. to it. You know, yes, there's what the author's meaning, but there's also what you bring to mm-hmm. it. And that is true to an extent, of course. There's also where you're like... Yeah, I don't know where it's just, like, way out of left field, and you're like, I don't see this at well, all. Well, yeah, I mean... You, you still gotta have, like, context to it. You can't just be, like, randomly like, hey, 
But sometimes you miss the themes of a yes. movie and you try to make certain things like uh, one polarizing movie that exists out there, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a line in it where uh, Kylo Ren says, let the past die, kill it if you have to. And everyone just assumes that, that we're like, oh my gosh, you're just trying to kill, uh, you're just trying to destroy our past and our, our, our favorite Star Wars stuff. You blah, 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 blah. <laughs> when it's clearly being told by the villain. Yeah. You don't, you can take it that way and there are ways to interpret that movie that way. But it's also being said by the villain who's trying to be manipulative. So you're like, sometimes taking things and understanding themes are more than taking one thing. Yeah. Over. That's what it means. Uh, I know. A movie I do that- have a thing with that line though. Is like he says that, but then he also spends time trying to like talk Ray into joining him because he knows who her parents are, and it's like, but come on, like. Well, that's. I've I've got a problem with the whole thing about Ray's. Parents being a big deal. Oh, I, I do. Yeah. I like the ideas when which, shows bring about, and movies are like, you know, it doesn't matter who you come from, it matters. Which who is the you debate are. between the two directors because JJ clearly wanted her to be a, related to somebody, whereas Ryan Johnson clearly wanted her to be a nobody. Yeah, and that was the battle that they had. The, the, clearly, the, there, are, there are definitely things they agreed on and disagreed on. Anyone is going to coming into a film. Yeah, but that absolutely is the the biggest thing because Last Jedi very clearly states uh, that uh, she's a nobody uh, and that when, when you listen to the Ryan Johnson oh, yeah. uh, uh, stuff when why why uh, the equivalent of the huge shock uh, in this day and age of what would have been uh, no I am your father uh, from Empire Strikes Back the clear shock in this one would be no you're not related to anybody yeah and that's what that's the, the, the taking from the time because we know what that is and it's more doing the subversive and changing what you know into what is now into a shock and so keeping her as a nobody I would agree would be the better decision on it so uh, there is a debate on a lot of that and we could have a whole episode devoted to me talking about <laughs> the sequel trilogy and the things that are well done and cohesive and the things that are not well thought out and didn't get put together. Uh, one day maybe we will. If we do, you just—it's gonna be like an hour of me railing against Kylo Ren because he annoys the crap out of me. You need to get over that. Kylo Ren is awesome. No, I will not. Honestly, my biggest problem with Kylo Ren—you love Ren, redemption stories. You love found family stories. I, okay, you love those things. Yes. he is literally embodies all of that. Okay, the main reason Kylo Ren annoys me is I had no problem with Kylo at first. Actually, I thought he was kind of a cool villain. And then his fans came around and, like, just seeing the way they interact with other people on the internet, and I know that's not the character, and it's definitely not Adam Driver, I've got no problem against Adam Driver, but seeing the way that Kylo Ren's fans interact with people on the internet, and how rude and obnoxious they are, and how annoying they are, it just made this, me hate This Kylo seems to be Ren. the opposite on it, because here's the way I've seen it, from my, from the way I've seen a lot of it, is the people who are fans of, whether it's a Raylo or Kylo Ren specifically, or Adam Driver on it, they get more harassment than anybody on there. A lot of them were the Kelly Marie Tran fans who were trying to fight for her when she got harassed by a lot of fanboys. So, like, Kylo Ren seems... It's very interesting how you get... And it just depends what we see on things like that. Also, Kylo you and I spend our time on two different social medias. Yeah. Like, you spend a lot of your time on Twitter, which I do too. But my main social media is... Excuse me for going back to 2012 real quick, Tumblr. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as fun as Tumblr is be, it can be, it's something you really got to cultivate because otherwise there are a lot of people who are just, who mm. like to be annoying and toxic and terrible on mm-hmm. that website. And, like, Twitter's got that way, too. You just got to find a way to cultivate them out of your newsfeed. But, like, yeah. I think, so that was my main interaction. Yeah, and I, so I think both of us got 
part of the fan base and saw one part of it, but honestly, I think we both saw the minorities of each side yeah, of it. Yeah, probably. Because honestly, it is a lot of it. We can have a long, long conversation on Kylo Ren. Probably not our subject of the, of the podcast today, but no. it would be probably an interesting debate because as a, a big fan of what they did with him up until the I hate the it. I hate the kids. I'm just going to say that right I, now. See, I... I just, I, I'm Raylo, so like I like I love I do actually really like that, and I think it actually was very well set up through the movies. Uh, and, and I look, I am a sucker for enemies becoming lovers trope. I am okay, a sucker. for Don't that. get me wrong, I love the enemies lovers trope. I I do. However, I just the way they portrayed him further and further as the series went on. Like in the first one, okay, maybe I could have seen that. And maybe even in the second one. But then by the third one, the more that he got betrayed as the sequels went on, he just seemed worse and worse. And he was more manipulative and abusive. Not really abusive because they were never really a relationship. But he was definitely more manipulative and not someone that you really would want to be with. And I honestly think Rey was kind of better on her own. Like, if I'm going to put her with anyone in the series, it's going to be Finn. But honestly, I, I do love Finn Poe, though, so that's kind of yeah, where yeah, I yeah, am yeah. And the, both the but, actors wanted oh, Finn Oh, yeah. Poe. All the actors <laughs> wanted Finn Poe. Have you ever seen yeah. the interview where, oh, yeah. like, they were like, um, Storm Pilot Finn Poe or Raylo, and everyone was like, Finpo. And even Daisy Ridley went Finpo. Mm-hmm. And she was, what did she say? She was like, they were just destined or it was inedible or something. And then J.J. Abrams is sitting right next to her and he makes this face and it cracks me up. Did you know Because he that- tried so hard to subvert that. Because that's why they didn't get a lot of screen time because he was like, no. Well, yeah. And, then, and Disney there, there's as well. There's a Disney, Disney stuff in well. because, uh, you know, one of, it wasn't just one, of the few it was complaint, one of the few complaints I do have with uh, Last Jedi is Finn and Poe are not consistently on this, you know, they're, they're around each other, but all on different missions and not there. I wish you would have teamed kind of more up, like, I understand why the story went there, but I wish they would have been a little closer on that. And honestly, did you know Poe was not supposed to be a character, main character? In, uh, they added into it the, when, uh, the TIE fighter crashes on, uh, in Force Awakens. Poe dies in the original. Like that, that actually, like they added on to it. Yeah, Poe was supposed to die. They, and, but they loved that. Oscar Isaac so much, they continued to write the character and add well, I Yeah, I'm glad they did because I really liked uh, his character. I don't like so much that they, in the second one, or not in the second one, in the third one, they tried to make him just kind of like a Han Solo character. Yeah, he, they he just, did. He could already, he, yeah, he already embodied the personality a little bit, but they didn't need to go on full making him a smuggler. Yeah, I don't. I don't like his back. The backstory they added because now he has like fifteen backstories throughout the canon. Yeah. Like that. I don't necessarily love that. Wow, this became a Star Wars podcast. I know this is quickly. not a. We had an entirely different thing but, to talk about today, but we're like Star Wars. The point in all this is the sequel trilogy is a mess. There are good things. Fandom can be bad. We were talking about mythology and J.K. Rowling being a turf, and you know what? We went off the rails again like we always do. I was to say, at this point, is it really us going off the rails, or is this just what we do? I mean, if you're a train just driving through a field every day, you're still <laughs> off the rails even if you're doing it every day. Okay, fair, but now we've made a path. Might as well be our new rails. Might as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> any other media you've consumed this week? Yes, okay, so there's... Two things we want to talk about. I'll let Sean handle the second one. But the first one is the box. I want to talk about the box. We may have talked about this before, but I want to talk about it. So. 2007 or 2008? I'm trying to remember when that movie came out. It's like 2008 or 2009. It's it's, it's, it's mid-2000s. Yes. From the director who made the cult classic Donnie Darko. (laughs) It's a wild movie if you have not seen it. It's weird. You got to pay attention because otherwise you're just like, what's going on? Even then you might still be like, what's going on? Weirdly enough, I wasn't that confused during this movie, and I get confused a lot. 
So I was surprised. I followed along. But, okay. And yet you still probably don't understand it because probably I don't not. think anybody truly understands this movie. No, this well, this is one that it's like no one's going to take from it the same thing. But my main thing that I want to talk about is the decision at the end. So, major spoilers, this movie came out more than a decade ago, so it's fine. If you haven't watched it, because nobody did, because it got <laughs> it got an F cinema score. It made, like, I think, like, $10 million on, like, a budget. The director has not made anything since. Nobody went and saw this movie. It disappeared. I'm pretty sure its Rotten Tomatoes score was really low as well, because of course it is, because this movie is bananas. <laughs> so anyway, if you haven't seen it and you really want to and don't want to be spoiled by Christina, pause this right now, skip ahead 10 minutes, and we'll probably be talking about something else then. <laughs> yes. Okay. Maybe we'll put it in the description of where to skip to if you don't want to hear about the box. Okay. So the decision at the end, right? It's either kill his wife. Or let his son be deafblind for the rest of his life. I think that's a very ableist perspective to go about it. Probably. But also... Because, like, I get why he did... I get that he didn't want his son to suffer. But it's not like they couldn't figure workarounds around it. And now, not only is his son... His son suffered for, like, ten minutes. Scared out of his mind. Can't see, can't hear. Doesn't know why that happened or how it happened. Now his son's going to jail. Yes, he gets money when he, when he turns of age. But now his dad's going to jail... For the death of his mom, because his mom's now dead. He's been watching all this batshit stuff happening. Um, and believe me, in this movie, batshit does not describe it. Oh, God, no. It goes not from... Even. I think when we were talking about it before we recorded it, I said that the uh, any movie any movie could pick one of, you know, heaven, hell, angels and demons, aliens, science fiction, ghosts, and moral quandaries, and they pick all of them. <laughs> Yeah. This movie has anything. It didn't have vampires. It could have had vampires. That would have been a little It did not have vampires. I don't know that vampires really would have fit, but it could have had vampires. Anywho. Um, okay, so yeah, I get the whole thing. And let, let's face it. Had there been any chance of him not killing her, they would not have given him the box. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they said. They gave him the box because they knew he would press the button. Mm -hmm. They knew him and his wife would press the button. Really, it was his wife that pressed the button. But they knew that they would press the button. And so that's why they gave him the box. And then they gave the box to the next person. So that way, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, you press this button, someone somewhere dies. But really, the person who's dying is not at your hand, but the hand of someone else. It doesn't really have much, because the box isn't controlling it. They're just doing it. If you truly believe that this is true... And, you know, if you believe that this is how it's going to go, are you still going to press the button? And the button would never be given to me because I couldn't get myself to do it. Yes. I, I would hate to think that I am the reason that somebody got hurt. You know, even if it's the worst person in the world, I don't know that it's going to be mm -hmm. the worst person in the world. Yeah, you can try and explain it away be like, someone I don't know, someone who doesn't affect me. You know, it's someone who could be terrible. We don't know that it's, it's going to be. It could be those, the best person in the world. It's why those moral quandary movies or stories always put, find somebody who... It, it's also the, the monkey's paw idea yeah. as well on it. That always find somebody who needs what it's offering, but you have to... You know, you have to you have to sacrifice to it. And so it's it's even if I needed what it was offering, even if they were like, "Hey, we will make all of your dreams come true," and and you know they did what they did in the movie where they manipulated the situation. You know, her son lost her scholarship to the very good school he was going to, so you know she needed the money. She didn't have money for her foot surgery. She needed that. You know, 
Obviously, she needed the money. Even if I was in that situation, I don't think I could press the, bu- uh, the button. Well, yeah, you wouldn't be in that situation. But let's say you're in a situation. We're going we're to play the box here a little bit. We're going to play, would you push it? You know, you're in the situation. You uh, find out that your partner is dying. And there is this super, super rare, expensive surgery that you cannot afford. And that's the only way you save them. Do you push it? And see, that's not a scenario. I'm not saying you would. I'm just saying that that's the type of manipulation for it. So I wouldn't necessarily use their scenario that they would find... In those scenarios, it's something that you desperately need at that point in time. Yeah, I didn't mean that scenario for me because I know I was just saying what they use in the movie. But my main focus is on the decision at the end of the night for all the decisions. I would press the box to begin with, or the button to begin with, and then so the whole point is, you know, it's not really you controlling it. They just want to make you think you are. Someone is going Mm -hmm. to die, yes, but it's not at your hand. But even still, at the end, like if I'm like, me and my wife, let's say we did press the button, and now, you know, we've got to deal with the consequences. The consequences of which are, you know, my son is now deafblind, and I either got to kill my spouse, I got to kill my partner, or I got to let my son be deafblind for the rest of his life. Yes, it'll be hard, but there are ways around it. I know sign language, and you can teach a deafblind person sign language. Here, here's where I agree with you on this scenario. But I think I also, it's just a very ableist thing. I, I think it is, absolutely. But that's because it's put into the scenario on it. I don't think if you had pressed the button, you would have gotten that scenario. Because, again, I think it's tailor-married for that couple who those are the concerns. Because they're well, so the, concerned the about their son's said, well-being. Yeah, that's well-being. true. Well, the other guy said it was either my wife or my daughter. We mm-hmm. can assume he had a very similar choice. Yeah, and because they find similar type of things like that. But it wasn't. It probably wasn't the same sort of thing and like that. It, it's creating scenarios that you are stuck with something that you are obsessed with and you have to give up something to get what you're obsessed with. And that's that's the quandary of the whole movie, is the idea in, in all the aliens and space. Yes. And okay. Because it makes there. that couple that makes more sense. But, like, I still yeah. just... That's such an ableist thing ableist, to bring yes. about. Like, oh, what? The worst possible thing you can imagine is your son having to deal with a disability? Yeah, he's going to suffer a little bit. Yes, it's going to be hard. And it's going to suck, especially because he's locked in the room right now and he's scared out of his mind because he hasn't been deaf or blind before and now he can't see, he doesn't know where he is, he can't get out, you guys can't get in, he can't hear you. Yeah, that sucks. You're assuming, though, again, in this, and this is, this is the whole thing on it and why it is, again, you're assuming these are good people on it. And yes, it's ableist, but it's supposed to be because they are not good people that's in true. this. And that's kind they're of the They're not thing terrible people yeah. either. If you haven't seen this movie, it's not supposed to be they're terrible people. The whole point it's is that, that when, you, gods, are desperate, when yeah. you are desperate, you will do whatever yes. it takes to get what you want. The and that's the idea behind it. The mundane people in mundane lives and gave them choices they could not refute. Yeah. Uh, which actually very much ties into Greek mythology from the earlier one is that you know that you've been given an offer, an offer you can't refuse, basically. Exactly. Uh, because it is the thing you desperately need. Have you ever seen that post? That's like, why didn't Odysseus just play Marco Polo with his wife? I saw that because uh, it's like, oh, you can save your wife, just don't look back. And then I watched something the other day, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. You ever watched that movie? I have not. Okay, good movie, lesbian movie, French. Um, so it's in subtitles. It's on Hulu. I don't think you have Hulu, so it maybe doesn't matter. But it's on, um, Hulu. It came out in 2019. It won some awards in France. Um, and... Oh, I remember when it came out. Yeah. So it came out in 2019. Really good movie, actually. Um, it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have a happy ending, which, again, there's my thing with, like, no lesbian movies have happy endings. 
ever. They're always period well, pieces, and no they're never happy. No award-winning film has a happy ending. That is, you can't win awards with happy endings. Okay, that's true. But all gay ones are like ones. That I agree with you on the both, but, but also I give the director more credit with this one than I give some of the like straight male directors that make those award-winning gay films because yeah. like a lot of them don't feel like they come from a perspective where it's like actually meant to. You know, they don't feel like it comes towards this perspective close to me. And the director for this one actually felt like she worked for this. Um, not to say that the others don't, but okay. it, like she, she, it felt more like she was trying to understand. Mm-hmm. There's also like one man in this film, and he appears for like five minutes. But she actually had a reason for that. And what was I going to say? Oh yes, they were talking about Odysseus. I'm going off the rails today. But you're talking back to Greek. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's why I brought up Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and she mentioned that. I'm pretty sure it was unfortunate lady on Friday they were talking about it. And she mentioned that the reason that he looked back was not because he he was afraid that he was gonna lose his wife. It's because he wanted to. He wanted to keep the image of that he had in his mind and he didn't want anything to come along and taint it. He didn't know what happened to her down there. You know, she could be very different, traumatized. Mm-hmm. He wanted the memory of what he had. He didn't want to bring it back. I have heard that, he just, that theory He before. just wanted the memory, which is why he looked back and was willing to lose her. He wanted that one last look, that one last memory. Which Do I thought want... was an interesting perspective, because I, I had thought about before, that. Yeah. Do you want that one last look? Um, one last look versus the rest of my life. I'm going with the rest of my life with them. Oh, you did. What? Damn. <laughs> what a way. Anything else you've had media-wise, or anything you want? Uh, one more thing, but I'll let you handle that. Okay. So we'll switch over to me, uh, in my media consumption. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot, honestly, in there, because I've been trying... I decided to sit down on the Endeavor to watch all 300-something episodes of the anime Fairy Tale. Or as I have now dubbed it, Found Family, the TV show. Uh, every episode is a found family trope. Uh, and when I that realized, I was like, oh my gosh, they're winning with the power of family. <laughs> it, it's a, it, again, I, I got bored in some of it, and it, it's an anime that probably the story... It relies heavily on its characters, because sometimes the story is not always there. Uh, it's not bad by any stress of imagination. It's very good as well. I mean, it's got a great dub at the sub, uh, the, the, the Jap- both, both dubbing, the Japanese and the English voice casts are great. Uh, and it, it is very good at times when it is, but it's definitely the, you know, alright, I'm gonna be beaten. Oh, I'm gonna be stubborn and stand up because I have the power of family on my side. My friends are fighting things? with me. Uh, you get that every couple of episodes. I'm about to defeat stand up. No. My friends are my power, you know? <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just how you gotta get through life. Life sucks, like, I'm having trouble, but I got friends. But you would relate so much to it simply because all the characters are basically, because it's a found family, they're either orphans or... Uh, <laughs> no, not, I just made it sound like I'm an orphan. No, but like, you like the trope. So like, yeah, I do every, love that trope. I love the found family Every, every character is either an orphan or running away from home or doesn't their parents or something, you know, things like that, and they're, or they're looking for their parents and they end up all in this guild. And it is... It is literally found family, the movie or the show. Uh, so it, it's I said it, it's a it's a slog at times. There are way too many episodes, and I'm watching it on the Funimation uh, app. And my God, is there a worse streaming app out there? I don't know if there is. <laughs> the Funimation app sucks. Really I've used it before. It's terrible. It's really bad. Uh, 
And there's so much good stuff on it that I still use it, but it's just like, oh my gosh, this is a slog to get through on some of these uh, How long has it, wait, wait, I'm sorry. How long has it been since we, did I, did I ever talk about the season finale of Harley Quinn? I think so. Okay, I was like, I wait, if I didn't mention that, I can't. How about the news of our, probably our favorite streaming service is not going to be existing anymore. What? There, uh, it looks like, well, all the originals have moved over to HBO Max. I saw that they're moving to HBO Max, yeah. So, there's a lot of thoughts that they'll, they haven't said they're going to shut down DC streaming service, but it kind of sounds like only new stuff that's going to be on it is going to be comics. So it's it, it's still gonna exist, but like yeah, like all the stuff is moving over to HBO because Warner Brothers made that big deal with uh. Oh, there's a good Harley Quinn. Um, deleting it'll me. still exist. It'll just be yeah, it'll be over on HBO. I don't yeah. know if that means they're gonna air them on both or they put them on both or what, but but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like that DC streaming service has comics. Don't get me wrong, I love <laughs> that. Except for it's very hard for me to read electric comics. Like Our it's hard for me service. to read electric. Yeah. It's hard for me to read, like, electronic books anyways. Like, it's just easier for me to get through paper. Mm-hmm. It's easier for me to focus on it. But then, like, electric comics, I have to zoom in. I gotta zoom out. So you have I, yeah, I have to have terrible eyesight. So I have to zoom in. I have to zoom out. And it's just tiresome for me. <laughs> At least with, like, in per- like paper comics, I can just hold them up to my face, like, really close. DC Streaming Service, if you're gone, we'll love you forever. We'll miss you. If you're, if you're still here, uh, neat. Um, and we'll continue to support Please you. Please don't leave us. Uh, but but yeah, I watched. I, I I'm about a third of the way through Fairy Tale. It it got really good again. Uh, the last like fifteen to twenty episodes, like it it started to slog away, and then it got decent, and then I was like, oh, we're going back into kind of like a slow period, and it faked me out. I thought it was gonna be a slow, and it went into it, it took what I thought was gonna be just a quick couple episode arc, and it turned it into a twenty episode arc. It oh, was yeah. really good. Um. It's fine. Anime fans probably will enjoy it. I know that it has a fairly large, it had a fairly large fan base, yeah. uh, and especially among like kind of the high school girl age, or the, it was very popular among them. Oh yeah, uh, I had a lot of. It's also a lot of movie. fan service in it. My God, the amount of titties in it. My God, uh, like not actually like seen, but like my God, the amount of. Tell, <laughs> tell me they don't do the anime thing. I hate this. When it's like the, you know, girl walking and the tits bouncing in her face. Oh my face. god, yes. Oh, happens very, very uh, Oh my god. I yeah. hate that. There is so much going on. Have, have you ever seen the animation, uh, a gif of like, it was in a show, she's running and her tits are bouncing and they bounce so much that at one point they just flip over <laughs> and switch places. Like, I hate that cliche and I hate that trope, but that cracked me up so much. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a decent show. I would I, if anybody who has watched it, you know, I'd recommend it because if you, especially if you like if you like adventure anime, if you like uh magic, uh, you know, you're gonna it, it, instead of replacing kind of your usual fighting anime and replacing it with magic fighting is is, is definitely cool and it, it adds a little bit of elements to it. I like everything that you're saying, but the anime with the titty. Thing. You know, that's fair. I am a big titty anime girl, and I run, and my boobs hit me in the face because that's how physics work. It is. That is how. It works. Yeah, obviously, I would uh, know. I get hit in the face by my tits every day. I know you do. <laughs> uh, but honestly, a lot of the storylines have been done better in a lot of other enemies. Like, there are several stories like, oh, that's, that, I've seen this before because it's done, was done so much better in Naruto or it was done so much better in this. And not to say that Naruto is some amazing piece of anime. It's very good when it, when it's good, it's very, very good. But the thing that Fairy Tale gets more than I think a lot of animes is it gets the emotional beats 
down. You, you're you suddenly just like, you're sitting like, oh, whatever, whatever. Oh, gosh, this is Oh, no. oh my gosh, why am I feeling so much for this time? Why like, am I feeling? Uh, there's there's a, a, an arc, early, fairly early on, I think it's season two technically, or maybe end of season one, uh, there's an arc where a character in the guild is, he's the he's the grandson of the master of the guild, and he he doesn't like the way the guild's going, he's upset with a lot of it, and basically he becomes the villain of the arc. Me too. Uh, and, uh, and basically when he loses, he gets kicked out and things like that, but there's like these flashbacks to when he's a kid. And they're like, this parade, and he's like talking to his grand, granddad, and he's like, well, what, what, you're going to be in the parade, and I'm going to be watching. How will I, you know, how, how will I know uh, you'll, you'll see me? And he says, when I see you, I'll do this. And he puts his hand in the air and does this motion. And so then it flashes forward to the end of it as he's leaving, like he's walking out of the city. And like, he, 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 the first fire goes off, and he turns around to look, and every one of the yells are going through has their hand in the air like this. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm crying here. Like, this is emotional. <laughs> So it hits the family tropes that, you know, things like that, that work on an emotional level that, uh, where the story maybe isn't hitting you in the right way, it'll figure out what emotional beat to work into your heart. So it's a decent anime. I'm not going to write it home as anything amazing, but it definitely, I'm, I'm still going to see if I can finish through all 300 episodes. Maybe at episode 200, it's, it's like, so you know, long. it is very long. It's my daughter will come and be like, Wow, you're on episode 70. You've gotten through a lot. You've gotten like through a lot. Uh, so the other thing that I've watched uh, and that Chris has watched, uh, which will be our main topic of today, is Disney Plus a few weeks back put all on their streaming service the worldwide phenomenon, we'll call it, <laughs> Hamilton. Which was a it was a recorded version taken from three three days uh, where they did the show with different camera angles and they edited it together. Uh, great way to do a Broadway show uh, to show to show a Broadway show on it, uh, and they put it on there. Uh, going into it, I had very very little knowledge of Hamilton. Like I knew it was a big play. I knew I obviously historically knowing some of the story. Going to that, I heard a little bit of the music here and there, but I had very little going into it. I hadn't um, heard any of the music. I knew big play, gay people loved it. That was all. Well, I mean, play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh. <laughs> That's valid. Came into it, uh. I guess the best way to is that, you know, I. In a, there is an alternate universe out there where Sean's junior high and high school had a theater program. And Sean decided to, well, a theater program before he was a senior in high school. And Sean decided to take this seriously, and he became a theater kid. And right now he's recording a podcast because he's a failed actor, and not because he's trying. <laughs> because he's a failed actor. <laughs> uh, uh. But uh, uh, I, I really do love plays, and I love musicals. So going into this, you know, I already have this, like, I'm excited and intrigued by it. This lives up to the hype. Like, honest to God, this show lives up to the hype. Uh, I, I didn't expect it to live up because there was just un, unreal sky. Like, the, there's, there's so much about it. I, I absolutely loved it. And I, I would love to be able to see it live. And I rarely do I say that about a play or a show. Like, I'm like, I really wish I could see it. I was like, man, I wish I would have seen this live. <laughs> so I was also not a theater kid, which surprises a lot of people, weirdly. Like, I don't think that I have that kind of personality, but apparently I do. Um, or at least a tech crew personality, I guess. Is there a universe where Chris is a theater kid? I think there definitely is. Because I think the main reason I didn't is because I didn't have, like, anyone who would... Anyone who's naturally extroverted to do that with me. 
Because, like, you know, when I was in high school, my best friend was naturally extroverted. But she didn't go to the same high school with me. And so she went for all of her plays and musicals. And had I been in high school with her, I know I would have done it with her because she would have wanted me to. And I would have been like, yeah, sounds fun. And I would have done it with her. But because I went to a different high school, I didn't have anyone to give me that little push. So I was like, nah. So um, I feel like there's probably definitely a universe where Chris is, like, a huge theater kid. But I just, I'm not. Yeah. And I don't really watch a lot of musicals, so I was like, I never really got into the hype of Hamilton. And I saw it last night for the first time, and I ended up uh, driving home with my windows down playing Hamilton like a theater kid. Um, the music is really good. And, it and, is. And, I will get the soundtrack's amazing. And, I don't know that I quite, like, it was a good play, don't get me wrong. But I don't know that I quite get the hype. Like, it's not something that I could see myself getting obsessed with. Anyone I know who, like, likes Hamilton and likes musicals, they all seem obsessed with it. And for me, it's just not something I could see myself getting obsessed with. I did enjoy it. I had fun. I thought the acting was good. I really loved watching the background dancers. Like, the choreography was amazing. I think that's, for me, why it stands out so much as a huge... And there, and again, I'm not... I'm never going to be obsessed with it. Like, yeah. things, But, like, why I... I when I want to talk about it and think about it and think about okay. it because uh, all the time, it's because... Unlike a lot of other plays that I, you know, I've seen, and I wish more Broadway plays did this. What they in this Disney plot? Theater's not very is. accessible, which is yeah. also what I think stops me from being like a big theater kid. Is because it's not accessible. It's not the, a, yeah. Like everyone's always like, "Oh, Broadway's dying," and it's like, "Okay, but have you considered why? Like, how many people can actually act have access to the arts?" I mean, I'm not an art person because to me, it has never been accessible. Like, I've come from a lower income family like we're in better standing now but especially when i was younger lower incomes you're not going to be traveling to new york to watch a yes <laughs> um small towns you know art was mm-hmm. inaccessible both like theater wise and just regular art you know i didn't understand what people were talking about and for private art classes that's a lot of money for theater like you want to be able to like know what other people are talking about it's a lot of money and like it's just it's not something that's accessible to the common person at times, yeah, definitely. And so that's part of the reason why I've never been a theater kid, is just because it's not something that's really accessible to me. Which is why, you know, more of these, I would prefer to see, uh, and I think we'll talk a little more about this in a second on this, but I would prefer to see, instead of adapting a lot of these plays into movies, I would rather see this sort of thing and put on oh, the yeah. screen. I would rather, you know, as for all the shit that Cats gets, I would have much rather watched the play on the big screen shot from this way than... uh ever watching a, oh, yeah. a, a movie of it. And I think some, because things get lost in a lot of, there are plays that can be translated to the screen. Uh, I think the the best example for me in a lot of ways is uh, Little Shop of Horrors is as good as a play as it is on the screen. Right. They're different, but they also adapt really, really well. Whereas a lot of times things just get lost that are, the nuances that are in the play because it's written for it, that are lost for it. And this is, this is a, a play that I think would be it, the music would still be fine in a move, big movie, but it would lose so much if it was made into a movie. Like, oh, yeah. If Hamlet, so I'm glad that they released this as yes. it, it said. It was originally going to be a theatrical one because of the next year it was going to come out in theaters. This, uh, this, uh, But they decided because of the quarantine, because Disney needed to pump up the Disney Plus stocks, releasing it on Disney Plus early uh, and so people could, could watch it, I think is a great thing for it. So we got to see it. Uh, I... I really really like this musical like uh, you know oh, yeah. in a lot of ways and to, to to your point on like the stage hands and all the things like that unlike a lot of other musicals I think Wicked I don't know if you've ever watched any of uh, Wicked so okay no. Wicked is all these humongous sets and these big things and uh, 
and it, it, it's just production, like, and it's great. Wicked is very, very good. I'm not looking forward necessarily to the movie, because I don't think it can be translated to, to screen at all, unless they did it animated. I think an animated Wicked would work really well. Yeah. I think we're just going to end up like with a musical saying, version of All the Great and Powerful with James Franco. <laughs> yeah. I think, like you said, it's better if they just did like they did with Hamilton, and they just record the Broadway version, and then they put that out for release. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, of course, you're not allowed to record it in Broadway shows. And you're not also allowed to, like, you're not supposed to, like, DVDs aren't really made. Mm-hmm. And they're, no, you're not supposed to buy them if they if you see them because they're not a thing. And, like, I think that's just part of, like, a thing to keep the arts inaccessible. And it's okay if and, you wait this long. Like, it's okay. This is, this is, these were shows from 2015. Like, these yeah. are old shows. Uh, or, yeah, 2014, 2015. I don't remember. I think it's 2015 when, the, when Hamilton. I thought 2016 was when Hamilton. It's been. It had a, it had a cup fear on it. Because Mike Pence went. Well, yeah, but that's that wasn't that wasn't the first run. Oh, uh, that was yeah. that was a different one. Yeah, no, that that was that wasn't the first. That wasn't Lin Man. It, it went for a long time. Hamilton's okay. been around for a while. That's all I gotta say. So we're releasing it finally here. It's okay to record it, edit it, and hold on to it for a while, and then release it after the first run or second yeah, run is done. That makes sense. I just think it. Art should be more accessible because mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of, you know, this is the first time I've ever heard of anything like this happening probably is the first time. That it's no, there, there are definitely okay. a lot. There have been a, like, I don't a lot know. of others that have I don't pay that much attention. Yeah. Well, like, released like this anyways. There have been several, but they're not, not nowhere near. And there's a lot that, a lot of plays that are completely lost, you know, yeah. really, because, you know, we don't have any footage of them or from back in the day. And this is just something that I think could be done. But finally, to my point, as we keep being distracted <laughs> on it, why... The stagehands, all that wise often is because they make everything is so simple, simplistic. Like on it, it's not like you know, people. A character will start on one end and to the other end and moving around, and they're always moving set pieces around. They're always moving simple things like a box becomes a humongous prop that is used over and over again, and then brought around and brought around, and they aren't worried about the set. You aren't worried about the setting. Uh, you, they're not trying to recreate battles or anything like that. They're telling you about the Revolutionary War at times. They're singing about it, and you're see, hearing about it, but it's all to your imagination what's happening. And by doing that, by simplifying the sets to just basically what you see, there's no, they don't try to make, you know, big, you know, street size, streets or, you know, houses or anything. They just kind of just go through it. You're sitting in places, and a lot of it is to listening and hearing it in your mind or picturing it in the best way. You end up with this great image of it that is better than any musical like that I've watched on the play a lot of ways because so much of it has required your attention. Right. Uh, the other reason why your attention is always grabbed in, in this is unlike a lot of musicals where the, there are a lot, and not all musicals, but a lot of musicals. The sing, you're there for the big numbers. You're here there to see Adina Menzel burst out singing in Wicked. You know, you're there to see the the big musical numbers. Sometimes the dialogue in between it gets kind of boring, or you're right. not you're, you're that's when you look away. You can't do that in Hamilton because there is barely any dialogue. When there is dialogue, it's hip hop. It's rapped to you. It's sung to you. Everything is sung, and so your attention needs to be on it. And it is something that I don't think I've ever seen. Obviously, I haven't seen in the Heights, so which is Lynn, another one of Lynn Manuel Miranda's works, and is, is similar to it in that aspect. So I, I would assume that there is at least that element still in it. But being able to keep your attention on something, it, it's incredible. Because uh, for a work like that, for me to basically having my eyes glued on it from beginning to end is rare. 
Uh, you know, I don't really care to look at my phone that often. Especially for I didn't really look at my phone at all. Like, because I was just, I was, my attention was entirely grabbed, uh, the first, and going through. And that, that's something that you just, I don't see in any media, in any art form, in any, whether movie, book, video game, television series, play, I rarely see that. And that was something that it just, like, it grabs your attention in just a, a unique way. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, we also discussed a little while talking about this. There is 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 for a good uh, element of the, the the play and from its actors is when your weakest link is still that damn good. Oh yeah, it, it's, it's was, incredible. Because uh, so I heard the soundtrack before I watched the play. Which well, it was also it was an has. album before it was a play too. That so makes sense. The story goes as far as I understand, and maybe if somebody sees this and hears it wrong. Uh, and says, Sean, you're completely wrong. Feel free uh, to correct me. Uh, We're not theater kids. We don't know what we're talking about. But from what I understand, Lin-Manuel Miranda was in an airport, and he was stuck in a a, a Yeah, he read a book about Hamilton. He read a book about Hamilton, and he basically wrote a... a, a, Yeah, I heard about that. And put out a a, 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 a hip-hop CD, basically. A lot of it. Put out tracks before then it was turned turned into a play. Well, I heard the soundtrack before I ever watched the play, which probably I would imagine that's how most people got exposed to it, especially if you're like in the middle of the Midwest, not able to go to New York. Like you're not, you don't have access to the theater. Um, you know, you probably heard the soundtrack first and that's what I did. Uh, one of my friends showed it to me and then Sean and I were hanging out at one point and he was listening to it where you're driving and he was listening to it. And he said, he was like, Lynn, I can't. Lin-Manuel I, Miranda. Okay, I always mix up the Manuel and Miranda part, and I mix them around. Okay, Lin-Manuel Miranda. You know, he said that he was the weakest link, and but he's like in watching it, you see that, but he's also still very he's strong. He's still very good. Like he's really good, but you can definitely I, see where he is the weakest link. But he's still so good. And, and part of that is, uh, I'd love to see his understudy, uh, who took, obviously took over uh, at playing Alexander Hamilton for him after after he left. Uh, and then uh, the play, uh, because from what I've heard, he nails the singing better, but he he misses on a lot of the acting stuff where Lynn is actually a little stronger in a lot of it. And Lynn isn't the best actor. I mean, if you've watched any uh, you know any of the stuff he's done as an actor, he's not he's not going to blow you away with his acting talent. I've only Lynn, seen what he did in How I Met Your Mother. He's not. Yeah, he is. He's in the bus episode with the rhyming. Oh, wait, okay, cool. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I mean, I know he's in he's in Brooklyn Nine Nine. I know he's in. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I remember that. I see that. I think he was in New Girl. I know he's not that there. Obviously, Mary Poppins Returns and uh, oh, like I that. forgot he was in Mary yeah. Poppins Returns. Okay, but, I guess. One of his biggest skill is his ability to write music. Like that is above all his skill. Like he he's a he does a great job. And look, anyone that can do what he did seven days a week on the stage. Every day doing so, you know plays and, and consistently doing it, and how hard and physically demanding this play was. Even if you're a little bit weaker on a dare, you're you're a hell of an actor to be able to do this. Like, right. like it, it, it takes a lot to be able to do this. But you know, partly you know he surrounded himself in this cast. Uh, I saw someone describe it as usually your, your Broadway musical, you'll have one big star uh, who who has got a lot of awards and getting a lot of it. And in this one, one of, the, one of the bigger stars plays King George and Jonathan Groff. <laughs> like, big stars are taking the smaller roles in this because the, there are so many Broadway stars in this play. Yes. Although, can I just say how 
funny King George was. Oh, unbelievable. Like, his songs, one, were really funny, but also just, like, there would be, like, especially I think it was in the second and third act, he would just show up in the background and be dancing, and then he'd dance across the stage for a little bit. It wasn't even, like, his song. He'd dance across the stage and then, like, fade into the background again, and you just see him in the background doing some weird dance, and he just cracked me up, and like, I think, so much. And I do think it is, uh, you know, just so in the best funny. way to make the, you know, to honor the founding fathers, but also make them roll over in their graves. Uh, all, uh, all the, um, all, all the main characters are of color. Yes. Uh, primarily African American. Obviously, there is, uh, you know, you know, there's other, other in there, but that's primarily making sure that you know these characters are portrayed by, uh, you know, people of color. Yes. Uh, and that is. Uh, Really well done, but Jonathan Groff playing King George, who is the oppressor in this story, uh, our revolutionary story, is played by the only primarily white person in this in the entire yes. play, and that is very intentional. And but it never nothing about it feels like we're forcing or saying yeah. this. It's all just very natural, and it works very well. And those simple nuances and uh, elements of the story. And the themes of the movie are never just like beaten on you. They're all, you know, as you're going through, you're like, oh, look, you know, that, that, that's the theme, you know, being satisfied in what you do is a theme of this entire, every character determines, the only character that determines, all right, steps away because they're satisfied is George Washington. Every other character is like, no, I, I, no, I'm not. I have to do more. I have to do more. I have to do more. Uh, and there's a great theme of that, which fits very much with, you know, revolutionary, uh, politics at the time. Uh, and it, it blends historical fiction with historical fact very well. Oh, you know, yeah. things are embellished like any story. Any things are, are added to make you know. You make don't it expect work it to be hundred uh, percent. Yeah, if you're you're coming for a hip hop uh, story about founding fathers, guess what? Um, something might be a little historically inaccurate. You don't go to any piece of fiction, historical fiction, expecting everything to be a hundred percent accurate. But I think they do a very good job of giving the soul of the characters very correct. Oh, yes. Like, even, you know, one of the more I, I, more dramatic is, is Thomas Jefferson, played by the wonderful David Diggs, who just hams up the stage. He's kind of, he's kind of, he's there in the first act, and Lafayette is not a bad character. He's yeah. done well, he's there. He's there, but man, he gets to just ham up the stage in uh, oh, act yeah. two in, in a way that he's clearly having fun. And, you know, for those who don't know, Thomas Jefferson... I'm a little of a shithead at times, you know, all the raping and whatnot. And I say at times, you know, what, you know, slave owner, very southern, a lot of it. All those elements are still there in this Thomas Jefferson, but they're portrayed. Well, they don't in mention a way, the raping, but they do mention the slave owner. There are a little, little hint, subtle oh. references throughout okay. to it. Yes, the you know, to it. Yes, the the uh, the you know, Thomas Jefferson. You know, as a lot of the founding fathers who owned slaves and did, which means you probably did terrible things to those slaves. Uh, I think it's a Key and Peele sketch uh, where uh, they're uh, doing Ancestry.com and it just goes like white person says, oh, I was related to so and so and so and so. And then it just comes up with a black person and he goes, Thomas Jefferson. And then it goes to another couple of white people and it comes back to another black person, Thomas Jefferson. It just goes all this like you're descended to Thomas Yeah, Jefferson. have you ever seen the like uh, a portrait someone did online recently and it was like his sixth great grandson, uh, a black person, who like recreated a portrait of Thomas Jefferson minus like the wig and he said he didn't want to do the iconic Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. wig and he was talking about it and like his um, great sixth great grandma or something you know, had been a slave that Thomas Jefferson owned, and that's how he got related to Thomas Jefferson. 
And so that's a portrait that I've seen online recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh... Although, you know what I found out recently that I was never taught in school and, like, it's horrifying to know, actually. So, where, where do uh, George Washington's teeth come from? They were bones of some uh, capacity. I learned they were wooden. They are not oh, wooden. Oh, yeah, they're not wooden now. Yeah. That's a straight up lie. Yeah. They are from, they're actually the teeth from his slaves. That makes sense, They yeah. were pulled from their mouth, and his teeth are teeth from his slaves, it's, which is horrifying. I saw somebody did a Twitter thread that was like, oh, I'm going to go through all the, and I only got through, like, at the time, I think he only done two or three presidents. So he's like, the horrible things of all 50, all the all the presidents we've had. And he started watching, he's like, he's like, there's not a lot of Washington. Washington did a lot of really good. And he's like, but, you know, the slaves and all that. The slaves and all that, yeah. Uh, and that's why, you know, I said, you know, George Washington among the founding fathers is one that you can definitely look to a lot of. Oh, wow, he had a lot of, but, you know, he also did own humans. Mm-hmm. Which means, if you own humans, you mistreated them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's no way around it. So, like, it's easy to look at these figures as larger than life. And I think what this play does is it presents them as larger than life in a way, though, that keeps you thinking about them. And I know several people who have, since watching the play, have wanted to go watch and, and read history and go back and found it. Like, I've gone out and I've read, like, several of the... Alexander Hamilton wrote a lot. And you can find a lot of his writings all over. And, like, uh, in... Uh, spoiler alert. Historical spoiler alert here. Uh, in, uh... 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 Thomas Jefferson wins the presidency over Aaron Burr. Mm-hmm. Uh... And a, a big factor of that was uh, Alexander Hamilton wrote uh, an endorsement of Jefferson. And yeah. the, his writings uh, where he cr- criticized Aaron Burr, I, I, you could find those easily online. Oh, right? yeah, I've read them before. They are, yeah. He, he does not hold back. No. Uh, I did a history project on Aaron Burr in, like, middle school, so I don't remember a lot. But he's, he's kind of an interesting fellow. Um, not a, a great person, but he's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I've read those reports because, you know, I was doing a report. But, yeah. Yeah, and, and that leads to talking about pretty much the star of the show, and that's Leslie Odom Jr., and it's Aaron Burr. Oh, yeah. My goodness, the man is... And, and there's a reason oh, yeah. that, you know, Lynn cast him, and Lynn put him in this role, and, and get, when it, the songs that he wrote gave him what are considered his favorite and best songs, because this guy... Aaron Burr is the, is the star of the show in a lot of ways. He's the one who kills Hamilton, as, you know, historical spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> historical spoiler alert. Uh, you know, you, you, end the, uh, you end the first song with, I'm the damn fool who shot him. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it vilified. But it also has a great theme that we get, uh, that really applies to life now uh, that goes along, is, is standing for something. Even if you stand for something that's awful, you're at least no, being saying, don't this, this Don't thing. try to have the middle road. If you stand for nothing, then you fall for anything. Yeah. And uh, and I think that, that theme throughout all of it is these founding fathers, yeah, they may have been wrong in a lot of areas and a lot of things that you would disagree with, but they st- a lot of them stood for them. And why Aaron Burr never got his chance in the spotlight is because guess what? He stood for nothing. Uh, you know, and, and that's why Hamilton endorsed Jefferson, a person right. he hated vehemently over Aaron Burr because he's like, you know what? He at least has he at least has something. Yeah. Uh, and I think that can really apply to politics today because you know what? We have a lot of politicians who stand for nothing right now. That's true. Yeah. You know, that are you know that are very more interested in trying to stand in the middle 
and be like, yep, look at me, look at me. I, I can both sides this big. And you, you can't. can't. And you, you, we as humans can't, we can understand both sides, but you can't stand both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it. I still hate that phrase, but you know what? Who isn't having their cake and eating it at the same time? <laughs> I'm making cake, I'm eating it. Um, what but, was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So you mentioned the song where he goes, and me, the damn fool who shot him. The first time I heard that, obviously, soundtrack, I was driving home with my friend from, like, an airport, and there's, like, I don't know if there's a bigger pause on the soundtrack than there is in the play, but it felt like a bigger pause. And it just go, and I'm the one who loved him, and then it goes, and me, and it's this deep male voice, and I just went, oh! Because, <laughs> like, I didn't know Hamilton was gay, although apparently he had an affair with his best friend, and there, that's there's cool. Definitely, there are um, definitely rumors, and, and they're never, obviously not confirmed 100%, but they're definitely from their letters to each history other. History is way gayer than history class oh, will ever teach you. Absolutely, because... <laughs> Did you know the pirates were predominantly gay? Here, here's a fun thing. Historical males really like putting their dicks in everything. True. They, um, they really follow Zeus as well. Well, and I love reading history books where they're like, oh, this person lived with their best friend for 40 years in a village outside, or in a cottage outside of the village, away from everyone else. And it's like, they were just good friends. Huh. And when, he, when she died, her best friend passed away shortly after, or his best friend passed away shortly after from grief. Yeah. Friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of Isaac that. Newton, very gay. Yeah, um, there is a lot. A lot fun of fun fact: oh. pirates, predominantly gay. And the reason why is like the reasons piracy like appealed to a lot of people was because one, there was like health insurance. Like if you lost a limb or something, like you got a lot of money. Like if you lost a leg, you got so much money. If you lost an eye, you got so much money. Um, you obviously also got like peg, eye patch, whatever. You know, they were giving you compensation. Um, so also, you know, pirates predominantly gay, a lot of, they had a lot of, uh, lovers. Actually, they mostly had, like, one lover. Um, and, like, if you, say you are a gay pirate, Sean, and your partner dies, you get a lot of money for his death. Surprisingly, there were not a lot of killing of partners because they loved them. But, you know, health insurance and you got to be gay. And, you know, you just get to sail, you get to travel, you get to be gay, and you get health insurance. That's more than a lot of jobs will give you nowadays. Why aren't you a pirate? Don't know. Somebody give me a pirate ship. Could be because I'm in landlocked Kansas. Went to jail. Went three. to jail. Couldn't be a pirate. Pirates don't accept people who went to jail at three. <laughs> that seems like the kind of person they would accept. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hamilton is really good. It's a really good play. Uh, what's your favorite song on the, uh... Um, so I really like Helpless and Satisfaction. Uh, Possibly also Wait For It is just really really good. good. Wait For It is really good. Those are my top three. Those those slide all together. And that first first act from, um, like the first few songs are all good and things like that. Obviously, My Shot is really good. Uh, but... Yeah, but I'm gonna stay really hydrated and take a shot of water every time they say shot. Don't From do it without right hand man bad. up to Battle of Yorktown, and Battle of Yorktown is still really good as well. But up to that, like it just flows perfectly. There's a couple little here and there, but my goodness, yeah, those are all really good. Uh, so and that, so you have you have definitely those as your favorite in Act One. Do you do you have one in Act Two that you like out of that? Nope. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they were all really good. Those three are my favorite for the entire play. Um, so, and, and, see, Act Two, Act Two has, I think, more of the the not as like uh, I was saying last night, like 
uh, I have a you know, hurricane. It's a good song. It just weirdly placed in yeah. music. It was the only time I just I was feel like there. those the first act had more liveliness with the music. Well, you're talking about the war more than yes. anything, and the, and the other ones you're talking about politics. Yeah. So you have rap battles and cabinet battles. I I don't know. I mean, honestly, room where it happened is so good. That, that was song a good one. Is yeah. So good. That's true. Uh, Dear Theodosia's in uh, there. That one's really good. Um, but. You know, you, you've got obviously in, in Act Two, you got two King Georges, and Act or in Act One, you got two King Georges and only one in uh, John Adams. John, I knew him. <laughs> uh, they are they, they are just they go they throw shots at John Adams in this play. He's nobody plays him. He's just I noticed that. About I was like, what do you? Have? I don't know much about John Adams, mind you. He wasn't liked in his own parties, in oh. his own party or in there, and uh, you know he what. He was also, uh, remember, George Washington was larger than life. Oh, yeah. Everyone knew Washington. People wanted Washington to be the king. And while some of George Washington's opinions I would disagree on, uh, George Washington want, did not want poor people to have any rights in the country. He wanted a, he wanted, he didn't want a king, but he wanted where the ruling class ruled over, like Britain. Right. Uh, in a lot of ways. But, uh, he was large in life. Everyone knew him. He landslide, you know, uh, run over. But John Adams had to follow that up. Uh, and so John Adams, while he did beat Jefferson in the in, in the second election, uh, lonely was that because it's the same party as Washington. And so everyone, which would have been what, uh, I think that would have been the Federalist Party at the time. Because it was the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans, I believe, were the yeah. two parties. Which, of course, George Washington didn't like the two parties. No, George, he did not like it. He, he didn't like it at all. And part of why he stepped down was to try to create and wanting more and more, not to create the two-party system. But we were just like, nope, two parties. Um, but yeah, they're not kind to John Adams at time in there and mm-hmm. in, uh, in the film. Uh, but it's it's a really good one. I think uh, it was definitely enjoyable. I think it said. The final, the, the, from, uh, election of 18, I think it's 1800, election of 1800 to the end, those five, all those songs blend together really well. Like, they're really good. Uh, I, I, I do love Washington's on his side. Uh, Jefferson's two main ones, Washington's on his side and What Did I Miss are really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, it, it's a very small line, but it, it gets me every time. But they said, you know, uh, Madison to Jefferson, where have you been? France, <laughs> I guess he's thinking about being in France, all that. Uh, I, I found that to be very enjoyable, very fun. Uh, it's just a really good musical. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think to close, we'll, we'll finish off with a little thing. Is uh, What is your favorite musical, Christine? Oh, Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman? That's a good one. Yeah, it's being adapted into an actual play now. So, oh, uh, nice. And, and things like that. It happened, um, or it has been, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. My, my favorite movie movie musical uh, is Singing in the Rain. That is my absolute favorite. Absolutely love that. Honestly, I don't think I've watched a lot of movie musicals. Um, I've watched Greatest Showman, Repo the Genetic Opera, which is a good one. If you're into gore, it's good. If you don't like gore, don't watch, watch Repo it. Watch Repo the Genetic Opera. Don't watch the non-musical version, Repo Men. Repo Men's a ripoff. It's um, not a ripoff, it's just an adaptation that I don't like doesn't it. use the music. No, <laughs> I haven't watched it. The whole point of Repo the Genetic Opera is that it's an opera. It is... Um, a gothic horror 
opera that has Giles from Buffy, the girl from Spy Kids, a famous opera singer who I honestly don't know where I don't pay that much attention to opera, Paris Hilton, who is surprisingly really good and enjoyable, and like there's a lot of gore, which I'm a big fan of gore. You get to watch people rip out people's still beating hearts, which is cool. Paris Hilton's face falls off in the middle of her singing. You get to watch someone else rip out someone's eye on camera. Like, there's a lot of gore. If you don't like gore, this isn't for you. But if you like gore, fantastic movie. Uh, I think... Also, the songs are just a lot of fun. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. I, I think uh, non-placed non, non screen ones, things like Singing in the Rain, I really like. Grace Showman has great music. The movie is... I mean, it has fantastic music. Like, oh, the music's yeah, yeah. Uh, I know how to sign one of those songs, actually. I know. I've seen you do that. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> uh, I also, I, um, so I really enjoyed the, the movie, and the music's a lot of fun. Um, and that is why I took an Aerial 6 class, if you recall I do that. remember that. I, I want to take more. I was like, oh, that looks like so much fun. To do it. Uh, I think, as I said earlier, I think plays adapted into movies it's not that they can't make decent movies it's that they lose a lot of stuff and a lot of the adaptations into movies i end up not liking as much you know yeah. there are still good ones dream girls i really like dream girls that's a good adaptation uh the tv version of annie uh not the carol burnett version but there's a tv version with kathy bates i think kathy bates is in that one or is kathy bates in the other one i don't remember there's a tv version that has as there it's really good um Obviously, there's lots. You know, uh, 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 why am I blanking on the name? I said it earlier. Uh, Seymour, the plant that eats. Oh, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. That works both as a play and the screen, and they are unique both ways. Yes. Uh, if we're talking about good musical movies, though, I've never finished this because I accidentally fell asleep while watching it and forgot to finish it, and then they took it off of Netflix. But I feel like we gotta give a shout out to Mamma Mia just because of ABBA. And it's like, it's just a sun, fun summer musical. And just ABBA is fantastic. Mamma Mia that came out against the Dark Knight in theaters and still made a hundred million. Hell even yeah. though the Dark Knight was breaking all records. Like, Damn. it held its own. I'm impressed. Unfortunately, Space Chimps also came out that week. And it's <laughs> Anders, an Amber's animated classic, Space Chimps. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think probably my, I said, my favorite movie musical is Singing in the Rain. Love that one. It, it shows off all of Gene Kelly's talents, and it's. I've always wanted to tap dance since that <laughs> movie. Back when to be an actor, you had to sing, dan dance, and everything. Like if you couldn't tap dance and you couldn't sing, you were not an actor. <laughs> uh, for a while, that phrase. Uh, as far as just like Broadway adapted plays or plays adapted into 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 movies, I said Little Shop of Horrors is right up there. Uh, Dream Girls is up there. I really do like Dream Girls. Um, but honestly, like, you know, a lot of times I end up going like, yeah, I still love the music. The music's good. Uh, I think a actually decent adaptation, but one that I wish would have just been able to do what Hamilton did in the, this one is Sweeney Todd. Oh, yeah. Would have made a, said, I would just rather watch the play. There's good songs cut out of the movie because they're trying to make it a different narrative and all that. And the movie's fine. I actually really do like the movie. But when you listen to the play, you're like, Wow, this is a lot better. <laughs> and I think I would have liked to see just see the play, uh, which is where if Hamilton is ever made into a movie, I kind of fear that it's like the movie is still going to be good. But can you imagine them trying to do the battle, the, the music, the Battle of Yorktown, and just you have to actually watch the battles 
That takes away from the music at this yes. point. That takes away from what's going on. I don't um, need to see the dramatic battles. Yeah. And- I don't know if this would count as a musical. I heard someone say once that they counted as a musical. I don't know that I would. But we gotta give a special shout out to my favorite movie of all time. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which relies heavily on music. I would not count it as a musical. I wouldn't call it a musical, but I would. I've heard people count it, but I I don't think that I would. Just because it's not got, like, yeah, the music is a big part and the music's important, but, like, in every other musical you watch, you know, even, like, the Mm -hmm. movie ones like Repo or Greatest Showman, like, the dancing is a part of it with Mm -hmm. the music. There's not really any dancing with it. Like, the music's a big part, but it's not like they're just breaking into song. What I consider a musical is. A musical number, and yes. you know, I'm perfor- I'm like, I would not count. I think it, but it does have a great you, soundtrack. It does have a great soundtrack, but I would never consider any of those I musical numbers. Either. So I wouldn't consider. It. But yeah, it is. You know, it, it movies that are influenced by music and music, oh, yeah. and uh, it'd be the same way that I don't consider like Bohemian Rhapsody or no. a, a musical. It's more of a, that sort of the, genre. Those kind of movies are enjoyable. Oh, ones where music is a big part. Rocket Man, I've foods. heard. Well, I haven't seen Rocket Man. I've heard it actually is a musical. Uh, really? Yeah. I've seen it. Uh, I don't know if I'd count it as a musical, that's, but that's I, I can see like, why you would, mm-hmm. because it, it is kind of filmed like that, especially at certain parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I would count it, but that's a good one. It is enjoyable. Uh, wanna, we'll we'll fin- fin- finish with this funny anecdote that I saw today on it. On it is uh, a movie, Matilda. Very good movie. If anybody as a kid didn't watch Matilda and enjoy it, I didn't watch it ever. You didn't have a child, did you? were in jail. It's okay. Uh, yeah. It's a very it's a very good movie based on a very good book. Even if her old doll is a creepy fucker. Um, uh, but uh, that was adapted into a Broadway musical. It's now being adapted, that Broadway musical is now being adapted into a Netflix movie. What? <laughs> and the circle is complete. The circle is complete. Uh, so, you know... All these sort of things. I think anything can be adapted adapted into a musical. There is a Shrek musical out there. There is. There my is, school did a, there is my a. school did that. For there is like, a Spider-Man musical. musical that I've heard is actually pretty good. That's where Imagine, uh, Imagine Dragons got started because they actually did all the music for um, the Spider-Man musical. And that is a radioactive was actually supposed to be about the radioactive That's fantastic. spider. But then someone like a record label was at the play and they heard it and they were like, we need to get this band. So then they so like, there we have to blame for all of it because yes. after radioactive Imagine Dragons it's just like Bleh. radioactive is the in my opinion if you like them that's yeah. good for you in my opinion radioactive is the only good song by Imagine Dragons uh anything could be a musical uh Legally Blonde has a, apparently a fantastic musical I heard it's musical. really good Mean Girls has a musical Girl, it's a, you know, I think it's easier from go to screen to musical than musical to screen yeah, for I sure it's because I, there's something. a very different plays are very different and a nuance is lost and uh, as I keep saying with Hamilton on it there's a if it ever gets made there's nuances and little things that as you're trying to make these things you would lose yeah I think if you're going to make a play into a movie you gotta do something different with it to bring your own taste to it because mm-hmm. plays are hard to adapt, for one, because there are certain nuances with plays that you may not necessarily get in a movie form. But if you're going to bring it to the movie, you got it. A lot of people hate this movie, and a lot of people shit on it. But the 90s, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I think if you're going to bring a play to the screen, you got to do something different like that. Because everyone's heard the story of Sean's giving me a look. Everyone's heard the story of Romeo and Juliet, and I think... I actually really enjoyed that. I thought it was a lot of fun. I know I'm in the vast minority with that, but 
I think if you're going to bring it, you got to bring something new because otherwise, like, you know, there are nuances that just aren't going to transfer necessarily well. But if you bring your own sort of flavor to it, then I think it's different. You do your thing. Yeah. You know, I said, yeah. And adaptations are always hard from it. Yes. And this is where, to, to finish off completely on this and go back there, making things more accessible can allow, you don't have to worry about the adaptation as much. Yes. You know what, I don't have to worry about going, uh, you know, whether Sweeney Todd the movie or the play is better. I, if I'm accessible to both, I can have both, you know. Yeah. And instead, we have been, most people are privy to the movie versions and don't get to see the play versions. And I feel like that accessibility. Oh, for sure. And that's where this wonderful, that they brought Hamilton to Disney Plus, a streaming service of this, the way it's wonderfully edited, it's put together, even if there are some, if you if you watch enough, you can catch a little bit of things like one shot will have, some will be holding something in the next shot, they won't be because they weren't holding it the next day, and there were two different shots from different days, uh, or someone will have something, their hair will be slightly different because it's just, you know, little variations uh, on it. It's still, you don't really care about that because it's a play, and you can live with that sort of thing. Uh, and, and, and it's on the stage and watching it, uh, in that way, it feels like you're watching the stage play instead of a recording. And I, I truly appreciate it. And I wish and hope that we get more of that because, you know, guess what? Inevitably, we are, it's in production. We are going to be getting a Wicked movie in a few years. And Wicked is a, it, if you haven't listened to at least the music of Wicked, it's earned all that it deserved, but you I, know, it's really good. I would and rather it's see gay. it. On the, I'd rather see it on the stage, you know, That's right. and I'd ever rather see it on, on the play. Uh, or uh, in, in one thing that will be wicked. I've never seen it, never heard it. Um, but I, I, I know a lot of people who are musical kids, and on uh, social media, I end up following a lot of musical kids just because, like, a lot of gay people really love the theater. Um, and like with each adaptation of uh, Wicked, it seems like it's just getting gayer to the point where in the last one, they actually have a kiss. And so I will give them that because everything I've heard about it, it does seem really gay. And then to actually make it, yeah, this is gay. Fantastic. Love that. Well, <laughs> I, know I, would, I would definitely assume. Other than it's gay. I definitely assume that L. Frank Baum, who wrote the Wizard of Oz books, uh, probably was n- when he was using the word gay and bosom all the time, I'm pretty sure he was uh, probably not supportive. I don't know. Honestly, for how many I've read those books and how much I love them, I don't know a whole lot about the author. So who knows on that? Friend they wanted. Dorothy. But I will absolutely say, yes, those books are hella gay. <laughs> What's funny is I don't think Wizard of Oz was ever meant to be something for the LGBT community. But it has become something that is so... Synonymous with it. Yes. You know, wicked, very gay. Um, I've not read the books, but apparently they come off as very gay. Friend of Dorothy meant you're a gay man because, um, oh god, who played Dorothy? I can't Judy remember. Garland. Yes. Judy Garland. Well, it depends which version we're talking about. Are we talking about the original? The original ones were about Judy Garland because, uh, yeah. <laughs> Judy Garland was a big supporter of the LGBT community, which was, of course, not done mm-hmm. in her time. And so, um, Friends of Dorothy meant gay man. And so... You know, if you ask some, a man, you're like, are you a friend of Dorothy? And I'm like, yeah. are you gay? And so Wizard of Oz has just become like a big thing for the, not so much anymore. Like, it's not something that you really hear about anymore. No, no gay person is going around being like, oh, Wizard of Oz. But, I mean, maybe there are some, I don't know. any, But like, it definitely back in the day, it was a big thing for the gay community, which is super cool in my opinion, because I don't think it was ever intended to be, but we were just like, ours. <laughs> once Wizard of Oz, once Wicked is adapted to a film, then it'll have three Broadway, three plays and three films off of the same book. 
<laughs> Damn. Because you had Impressive. Wizard of Oz, The Wiz, and Wicked. All yeah. in that. And obviously there's also the movie Return to Oz. If you want to get ter- terrified by creatures, watch that movie. It's a bad movie. It's terrifying. And honestly, when I watched it, I realized, oh, wow, my childhood books probably will never be adapted because they are terrifying. <laughs> Makes sense. But yeah. Where can they find you, Christine? You can find me at OK or whatever on Twitter.com. OK spelled out. And you can find Sean. DuckSean6311. We will be back with lots of goodness this week on our uh, YouTube channel and our Twitch channels. Lesbros Gaming on the YouTube. Lesbro Games on the Twitch. Check us out. And we'll see you guys next time. Stay safe tonight. Have a gay day. Thank you.